Wow. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. I see lots of hugs going on. That's great. My name is Barbara Pelletier, and I'm a member of the preaching team, and I've been attending River Heights for about 15 years. And we've been doing a series on Christmas movies and how they relate to Christmas. So the Christmas movie that I selected to use in my sermon is Remember the Night. It's a very old black and white film produced in 1940 starring Fred McMurray and Barbara Stanwyck. They were both big film stars. And they each starred in their own TV series as well. You may remember Fred um, as um, the dad in My Three Sons, and Barbara Stanwyck as the mom in The Big Valley. Now, that might make you feel lost because you don't have a clue who these people are. Or it could make you feel very old because you do know who these people are. <laughs> Either way, the movie has some good lessons in it, but let me remind you, if you choose to watch it, it was made in the 1940s and does reflect the culture at that time. Fortunately, we've grown a lot since then. To summarize this movie for you, Barbara, known as Lee, is a petty thief. She's homeless, but somehow she manages to survive in Manhattan using her talents as a con artist and a thief. But she eventually gets caught. Fred, known as John, is a prosecuting attorney known for successfully convicting women who have committed crimes. Apparently, back in the 40s, it was really difficult to convict a woman, a guilty woman. Yet John has become known for his ability to get a guilty conviction. So here's a clip from the beginning of the film which kind of sets up the rest of the movie. Glorious, madam, isn't it? Mm, yes. Uh, could I see that one down there, please? Why, yes, indeed, madam. By all means. Mr. Meyer. Mr. Meyer. Mr. Meyer. Mr. Meyer. gets caught. And this is her third offense on record, and the prosecuting attorney, John, is handpicked by his boss for this case because of his reputation. And they're in court on Christmas Eve day. John's upset that he's on this case because he's planning to leave, go on a trip to his home for the holidays, which is a 750-mile drive, and this court case is delaying his start time. 
And he can see that the jury is getting ready to find Lee not guilty just based on the fact that it's Christmas, not on the evidence. So John asked the judge to postpone the court hearing until after New Year's when a reliable doctor, currently on vacation, can testify against the defendant's attorney's theory that Lee wasn't responsible for her actions because she was hypnotized by the jewelry. The judge agrees, postpones the case, and sends everyone home except for Lee. She now has to spend the holidays in jail. And she puts up a fuss with her lawyer that she's lost her freedom over the holidays because of his stupid argument about hypnotism. Well, John overhears this conversation. He feels badly for her because he's the one that asked for the case to be postponed. So he bails her out of jail with the services of a bondsman, and she ends up unexpectedly at his apartment. Well, John intended for her to have her freedom and walk the streets of Manhattan over the holidays. He didn't intend to be responsible for her. So he realizes the conundrum and decides to take her to dinner so they can figure out what to do. So while they are dancing, they discover, you know, they discover that they grew up about 50 miles apart from each other. And John has this great idea and invites her to come along, and he will drop her off at her childhood home, and then he'll continue on to his home, and then on his way back, he'll pick her up, and they'll go back to Manhattan and have the court case again. So she agrees, and off they go. Well, as they approach Lee's home, she reveals to John that she ran away as a teenager and hasn't been home since. In fact, she hasn't talked to her mom since her dad passed away, which was years ago. And she's really unsure about how this is going to go. So she asks John to go with her to the door. And this is her welcome home. Come in. Mr. Uh, Sergeant. Sergeant. How do you do? Sit down. You're looking fine, Mama. What'd you come here for? What do you want? I don't want anything, Mama. It was just Christmas, and Mr. Sergeant happened to be driving. You see, I live just outside of Wabash, and I knew you'd be glad so to. So he brought me with him. Glad? Why should I be glad? Good riddance to bad rubbish, I said, the day she left. Oh, oh please, Mama, Mr. Sergeant... The... Just like her father she is. Always laughing at serious things she was. Never doing what she was told till she winds up stealing, as I always said she would. Stealing my mission money that I put by with the sweat of my brow. I didn't steal it. I've told you a thousand times I only borrowed it. I was going to pay you back out of what I'd earned. But you didn't pay me back, did you? And you never paid me back. And you never paid anybody else back. How could I after you called me a thief in front of the whole town? Do you think anybody let me work for them after that? We weren't good enough for her here. A decent home and a hard-working mother with a crook for a daughter. I don't want to rush you, but uh, we've still got 50 miles to go. Don't you think we'd better be on our way? Thanks. Bye, Mama. It's been very interesting meeting you, Mrs. The name doesn't concern you. 
It certainly does not. So you can see that everything Lee dreaded kind of came true, and she's devastated. And John's moved to even more compassion toward her. So he very wisely gets her out of there and decides to bring her to his mother's house. So in contrast, we're going to see that the homecoming for John is so very different than what Lee experienced. Everyone's making a fuss, they're baking cookies, they're lighting a fire, they're making sure everything is neat and clean and they're just all flittering about, waiting excitedly. I'm, am I lost? Okay. Waiting excitedly with, uh, for John to arrive. So that's our next clip. Christmas with us. Hello. I hope I won't be too much trouble. Trouble? Why, bless you, child. It's a joy to have you here. You might have sent a telegram, John Sargent. Grandpa's room hasn't been cleaned since your Aunt Clara was here for canning. Why, Lucy Sargent, that's not so. Well, I had Willie in there just last week. Oh, gosh. It's as clean as a whistle. Well, I doubt it. Come along, my dear. You must be freezing, and here we are standing like a couple of old hens. <laughs> oh. Did you forget the cookies in the oven? Oh, merciful. Be careful, Emmy. Come on, dear. So you can see John gets a much better welcome home. And Lee can obviously tell the difference between the welcome home she received from her mom and the one John is receiving from his family. And she also recognizes that John's family is welcoming her. They embrace her and they treat her with care and concern. She's included in the merriment of singing, playing the piano, stringing popcorn for the tree. And she's loved on in lots of She's given a warm nightgown, a hot water bottle to put in her bed, and Christmas gifts from their own possessions. And by the end of the night, she begins to recognize and feel the love. However, John feels obligated to tell his mother about Lee's past and current situation. 
So later that evening, he shares with his mom that Lee is a crook and that he is going to try to put her in jail. And his mom has a most profound response to this news. That's our next clip. Mother. Yes, dear. I don't know whether I should tell you this or not, but I don't like to bring somebody under your roof without you knowing exactly who she is. Oh, I think I can guess. What? Oh, no, not at all. She isn't even a friend of mine. Well, I think she's charming. She reminds me of your father's cousin, Wilfred, who died when her second was born. She was a sweet, lovely thing. I was just telling your Aunt Emmy that I thought that... Yes, she, she is charming, Mother, but... Unfortunately, she's a crook. When we get back to New York, I'm going to try to put her in jail. But in the meantime, she didn't have any place to spend Christmas, so... Oh, the poor lamb. John, why, you'll do no such thing. That girl's as honest as all outdoors. Why, I can tell by just looking at her face. If she did take anything, I'm sure it was entirely by mistake. She's... Well, she's probably a hypochondriac. She might be at that. She didn't really take anything. You're just making a bad joke, aren't you? No, Mother. I'm afraid it's not even her first offense. But that doesn't mean that she wasn't unhappy and lonely and a human being like the rest of us. Oh, poor thing. She probably didn't get enough love as a child. She probably didn't get enough love as a child. Well, even after knowing the truth, the family continues to show love to Lee. They teach her how to make popovers and cookies, and they include her in all the family events. They attend the annual New Year's Eve dance, and Lee wears a dress that the aunt altered just for Lee. Out. Should it? Am I in? <laughs> Am I in or out? <laughs> okay. She begins to feel for the first time in her life that she matters and that she's valuable. She experiences the love of a family, and of course, she falls in love with John, and John falls in love with her. John's mom is aware of this, and while she understands Lee's feelings for John, she can see that her own son's reputation is on the line if it becomes known that he loves a thief. A thief he's supposed to convict. She's concerned John's involvement with Lee will ruin him, and John's mom asks Lee to walk away from him. Well, up until this point in her life, Lee has only been concerned with herself. But now we see a shift in her thinking. Because of all the love she's experienced, she now loves them and her heart cares for them and she determines to do the best thing for John. That's our next clip. But he kissed you tonight. Well, I, I'm not exactly ugly. Oh, he, he may have a little fever for me, but it isn't going any further and it hasn't been any place either. He's no fool. And even if he was, I... I wouldn't hurt him or you. Aunt Emmy or... 
Even Willie. So after the holidays, John and Lee traveled back to Manhattan and were, they're back in court. And Lee's attorney continues to push the hypnotized by the jewelry theory, trying to prove she wasn't really responsible for her actions. And then John begins his questioning of her. And instead of using his typical soft style that gives him success with convicting women, he begins to badger her and becomes forceful with his questions. Lee's confused at first and doesn't understand his roughness until the light goes on and she realizes he's trying to throw the case by getting the jury to find her not guilty based solely on his rough treatment of her, not on the facts of the case. And you can see the moment Lee grasps what he's doing. That's our next clip. Objection sustained. The jury will disregard the question and the answer. Did you hear Dr. Kyman's opinion about hypnotism? Will you kindly answer my question and not keep us waiting here all day? Will you answer my question? Your Honor, if the witness refuses to answer my questions, there's nothing more I can do. Prisoner will please answer counsel's question. May I lend you my handkerchief? Your Honor. Kindly address your answers to me over here. Your Honor, I want your to... Your Honor, I don't believe this young lady as well. I think a five-minute recess but would I be... But I want to plead guilty. Sufficient for recovery. I'm undoubtedly responsible for having made a... Please, Jack. Your Honor! Just a it few minutes recess, Your Honor. It must be apparent this young woman is hysterical by what's going on here. This is not responsible for what she says. I just want to plead guilty. So even though John technically wins the case, he feels devastated. He's losing Lee to prison. And while Lee isn't looking forward to her present time, she knows she's done the right thing by confessing, thereby saving John's reputation. Love wins. Lee has been transformed into a loving, caring individual, and she now has the courage to express that love to others, even though doing so causes her to face some tough consequences. Lee is moved to repent of her wrong ways, and she takes responsibility for her behavior. So what does this have to do with Christmas and Jesus coming to this earth as the Savior of the world? For me, it's about the transforming power of love. While Lee is rejected, criticized, and judged by her mom, John and his family love Lee despite her past. And this love transforms her to the point where she repents, confesses, and puts the welfare of others ahead of herself. Her capacity to love grew, and she protects John and his family. As we celebrate Christmas, the scripture tells us that love is the reason Jesus came to this earth. 1 John 4, 9 says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Real love. 
is that even though we're sinful and make mistakes, God loves us anyway. He doesn't demand that we're perfect before he loves us. He doesn't insist we pay him back for the wrongs we've done. Instead, he sent his son to pay for our sins. Jesus' love was sacrificial, and he willingly gave up his life and died on the cross for us. What an amazing gift to the world. We all want to be loved. Am I on? Am I there? Okay. I'll say that again. We all want to be loved. We're made that way. Some of us received more love as a child than others, and some of us received more love as an adult than others. Yet we all hunger to be loved unconditionally. The love Jesus has for us is just that. This is the most powerful, transforming love you'll ever experience. This is the love that overcomes sadness, heartbreak, abuse, neglect, illness, hatred, injustice, and any evil thing. This is the kind of love that can soften hard hearts. This is the kind of love that will change the world. This love changed my life. I was a wreck. I wasn't loved enough as a child. I was bullied as a kid. I was abused in my first marriage. And I was just plain lost in making all kinds of bad choices. This love moved me to a point of repentance where I realized I wanted to change my ways. I no longer wanted to engage in destructive, hurtful behavior to myself or others. And I decided to accept the love I had heard about that Jesus had for me. And it healed me in so many ways and transformed my life for the better. And I will be forever grateful. Maybe you're in need of this love. We all are. Maybe there's a place in your heart that longs for comfort and peace and acceptance. This Christmas, as we celebrate the gift of a babe in a manger who grew into a man who obediently gave up his life for you and me, is excitedly waiting for you to receive him. His gift will continue giving to you all your days on this earth and beyond in eternity. It starts by simply inviting Jesus to be a part of your life and surrendering your will to follow him and his ways. Jesus is ready to welcome you with open arms, no matter your past or your present situation. For it says in John 3, 17, 
God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus is here to save you, not judge you. I invite you now to say a simple prayer with me if you're ready to receive this gift of love. Jesus, I need you. I want you. I want your gift of love in my life. I want you to heal my brokenness, my heart, my soul, my life. I'm sorry for all the things I've done that hurt you and others. Please forgive me. I accept your gift of love as my savior. Please transform me so that your full expression of love will be seen through me and you will get the glory. Amen. If you've just prayed that prayer, we rejoice with you. And as you learn more and more about Jesus and his ways and let his love soak into you, you will be transformed. And his love will ooze out of you to others and you will impact the world for good. Because that's what we're called to do, to spread this love around to others. John 13, 34 says, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Love is such a great gift. It will not break. It will not get boring. It will not become obsolete, nor will it become outdated. It's the gift that keeps on giving. This Christmas, let your hearts grow bigger. Let your hearts experience more of God's love, and let your hearts express that love to others in all sorts of ways. The world needs his touch through us. And it's through loving others that we change the world for good. If the worship team would please come forward, and prayer team members as well. We end our service with worship and prayer and a few tips for the week. So here's my tips for you this week. Read John 13, 34 through 35. It's very short. And then pray for God to show you ways that you can love others. And then do. It's kind of a twofold thing. Daily spend time with God so that you get recharged, you get filled up, you experience God's love you then can turn around and give that out to others. And then as God shows you who to love on and the ways in which he wants you to love on them, do it. It can be very small ways, but very impactful. I'm going to invite you to come forward for prayer. If you have any need, at all. 
but especially if you want to receive more of God's love in your life or if there's someone you want to get better at loving. If you've prayed the prayer to accept Jesus today, would you please let us know that, either on your connection card or one of these people up front, because we would like to be praying for you. The worship team will dismiss us when it's time to go. Thank you, and have a Merry Christmas. Thank you, Barbara. Let's stand together as we're able.